fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. Let's hang. Dangle still holds. Look at the patience. Let's tackle the Friday scores. Oh, what a play! Chris Letang to give the Pets the lead. Wow, that is beautiful. Stop, Mercy. Are you kidding me? You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, let's go. Keeps getting those pucks deep. You know, I was doing the intro earlier, dude, and I realized that I'm absolutely never in my lifetime going to get sick of this beat. No, I, if, if you hadn't already, it, it's from a video game that came out in like 1994. 1994. So. And, <laughs> and I know, like, I know a lot of people have logged a lot of hours on that game, but... Probably none have logged more hours than you on that game, I'm betting. You know what? I mean, I'm sure there's some 30-something-year-old guy or gal uh, down in the States where, obviously, baseball is much bigger. But, yeah, that might I might defy someone out there that's listening to this Puck Dindy podcast and hears that intro and knows that it's Griffey to hit me up on Twitter and challenge me to a game. Yeah. Can we only, play that online? If only you could. If only you could. Wouldn't that be amazing? They should start looking into that, man. Like some of these big companies, uh, Microsoft, PlayStation, Nintendo, of course. Like online co-op for retro. Yeah. Like remaster these games and let us play them again like we once did. Only it would be, I guess, just, you know, a little bit better. Don't change anything. I don't even want you to change the graphics. I want the graphics to be the exact soundtrack, same. graphics, yeah, everything. Soundtrack same. and Gameplay, everything. Gameplay, just the added online co-op to it. Like that would be amazing. Welcome back to the Pucks and Deep Podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko here uh, on a Thursday. Weekly action here in the NHL, um, but you know we're on the topic of gaming, Lesko, and tonight uh, Call of Duty is being released. It's a big deal. It's uh, kind of a big deal. It's uh, you know last night. The term nutting was trending on Twitter. Over over Call of Duty. Well, I some people believe that it's either the release of Call of Duty or Tiger Woods getting nine birdies in, yeah. his, in his opening round. After, after what? Didn't he bogey the first, what, three, four holes? The first three. He started bogey, bogey, bogey on the back nine and then finished six under for the, for the tournament. Right now is basically peak sports, right? You got Tiger, you got the NHL in full swing, you got football, you got basketball just getting underway this past week, and you got the World Series. I mean, playoff baseball, right, is something else. I know the Jays aren't there, and we had a little fun a few years ago, but regardless of your you know, affiliation, yeah, I, and even if you're not a, a hardcore baseball fan, which I'm, I'm not by any means, but I don't mind tuning in to the odd playoff baseball game to uh, just see the magic. And you got starting pitcher after starting pitcher going throughout the game, right? Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And the, the for me, I know all sports, okay? I understand all sports are unpredictable. But there's nothing quite like the unpredictability of baseball in the sense that this game can feel like nothing's going on. It's almost boring. And then within moments... 
you're turned on your ear and 70,000 people are losing their mind. And I know, again, you can say that for all the sports. A hockey game gets a little boring here and there or basketball or whatever. But for me, it's it's those other sports have some form of continuous live action. I would almost compare baseball more to football because in football, nothing happens until the ball is snapped. So in baseball, nothing's, nothing happens until the ball is, is thrown. And then it's just the beauty of baseball. Everyone, the, you know, big baseball fans will call it a beautiful sport. And I totally agree. I'm, I'm not a hardcore fan. I'm a hardcore player. As you knew, I grew up playing and I play now again. I'm so happy to be able to continue to play hardball at, at, at the age of 32. But it, there's just something about the unpredictability of watching the pitcher hurl the baseball at the batter and just see what happens next. And you're right. Sometimes it's utter magic. I love it. Well, and going back to 2015 there, what happened between the Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers is something, I mean, I, it might be one of the most exciting sporting moments that I've ever seen in my life. And the, just the craziest inning, that inning that took what an hour or something to play where anything you could possibly think of happened in that inning, including oh. it, you know, turning out very well for our Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, the, the, the multiple errors, right? The, there were three consecutive infield errors. We were, we were talked about this on the pod before. Like three consecutive infield errors that led to the inning being won and the game being won by the Blue Jays. It was, and even, I don't know if you remember it as vividly as I do, but that third one where the, the, whoever it was laid a bunt down, um, but they picked it up and threw to third immediately and they had him out by a fucking mile and it was dropped. Yeah. Like it would be, it wasn't, it wasn't a great throw, but it wasn't a bad throw and it was just literally dropped. And I don't know. I mean, obviously I was excited about it because it was the Blue Jays, but I also, as a player, I, I felt for those, for those Rangers defense, defensive players in that, in that instance, because that's pretty tough, man. A little bit. And it's funny because you see a lot of that in playoff baseball as well, and maybe in any sport, but there are those who rise to the occasion and those who buckle under the pressure. And like you said, one play in baseball, all of a sudden it's dead quiet, and one play can totally change a game. Uh, you see a lot of that happening and throughout the playoffs and uh, obviously under a bigger microscope when it's uh, in the playoffs and not the regular season. Yeah, and I'm a little bit jealous at the fact that they're able to pack so many people into the stadium. You know, we're talking 60, 70. Well, they're huge stadiums too, Yeah, right? 60, 70,000. And, and for the most part, unless you're a Yankees fan or, or unless you're the Yankees, it's it's a homer sport. Like everyone in the building is cheering for the home team. I say that about the Yankees because the Yankees took over the stadium in Houston. Right. Like it was completely, it was basically the exact same level of Leaf fans in Ottawa when we play. Right. The sense. That, uh, that really bad. Astros team is just unbelievable as well. Uh, I thought, you know, I thought they were impressive last year and just the way that they bombed out, what, a few years ago and then have just built up this. Quickly. unbelievable of ro- roster like crazy turnaround yeah and they're now one of the elite teams in the league but uh you know that they, they made it through but you know some headlines came up for the wrong reasons though out of that celebration 
Well, that yeah. So before we get to that, I mean, they're in great shape, but they're fucking down 0-2 here yeah. in the World Series. No one saw that coming. Losing yeah. the first two at home. Losing to the Expos. Yeah, <laughs> at home, you know? So that's a big deal. But, uh, uh, you know, that's a big deal as far as uh, winning and, and the standings are concerned, but a little bit of a bigger deal kind of off the field, I guess, if you will. Um, today, the uh, Houston Astros announcing that they've fired assistant GM Brandon Taubman for... Uh, his insensitive comments that were directed at female reporters after the pennant winning uh, game against the New York Yankees, where of course uh, Altuve smacked that big deep boomer to deep left center field and uh, ended the game. So the celebration was going on for, I guess over an hour afterwards. And you know, the reporters are in there dude with their fucking cameras and the bags over ski goggles. Yeah. Maybe the ski goggles. Right. And, um, it wasn't even an interview. You would you would anticipate that a headline like this comes out because, oops, I said something stupid uh, in my interview, and I'm going to have to either apologize or or say I meant something else. No, this was a scenario where some of the players. I'm not going to read them all off, but it was funny. They said some of the players were drinking vodka Red Bulls, smoking cigars, and just staring into the eyes of the championship trophy like it's a long lost lover that they once had you know so they were just painting a picture and basically at the same time as all the celebration was going on this brandon taubman guy again the assistant general manager of the houston astros he turned to a a couple of female reporters for sports illustrated and just immediately began like yelling and screaming i'm so glad we got osuna thank fucking god we got osuna um, I'm so fucking happy we have Osuna. Just over and over, they said that he said it six times, and he Jesus was just Christ. screaming it at them. So as everyone knows, I'm sure by now, Roberto Osuna, when he was with the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, allegedly assaulted his his uh, girlfriend and mother of their three-year-old child, three years old at the time. I guess it'd be four or five now. How long has it been since this went down? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, years ago. Anyway, I don't really know much about it, Lesko. All I know is that, like, he was suspended uh, 75 games, okay? So that shows you a little something. I'm not sure if they're saying that he was guilty or whatever. He was never actually convicted, but there was a plea agreement where the mother would leave back to Mexico and not testify. So in my honest opinion, she's fucking scared as hell. And she gets out of here and says, listen, I'm getting out of here. I want to be away from you. I never want to talk to you again. The order, the court orders for, her, for him to not have contact with her. So it was basically, we'll let you go back to your hometown of Mexico and get away from this fucking psycho. And he won't be talking to you anymore either. But Roberto is a star athlete, so we got to give him some preferred fucking treatment here. So I'm okay. I hear both sides of the fence here, Lesko. But at the end of the day, as I was talking to you before we went to air here, I said, I think this is definitely one of those moments where I'm totally on board with the, with like the outrage that this is garnering. Because... In this instance, there was no fucking need whatsoever, whatsoever, to even bring up Osuna, who nearly blew the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He nearly blew that game. There were people rooting for him to blow that game, I think, because people, you know, obviously think he's a piece of shit for, you know... No, but I guess all indefensible actions on his behalf. But what a fucking... This this GM's a fucking idiot. He's an idiot. Well, how many... What... And within that hour after the game, you got you got fucking too many India or something, and then had to shoot yeah, your probably, mouth off. Probably, like, and I understand there was blowback when they brought in Osuna, and maybe he took offense to that. But still, man, like that is 
That is way offside. And, you know, a lot of sports reporters and things like that were saying, this guy's got to be fired. He's got to be fired. And then what do, what do the fucking Astros do? They come out and put out a statement saying that the Sports Illustrated column was mischaracterizing what happened and there wasn't anything directed at anybody. Like, they tried to really blur the story. And then here we are today, they fucking fire the guy. Well, I mean... You know how it is, man. In the, in these scenarios, less is more. You might as well fire your PR department while you're at it, too, because <laughs> that's a fucking complete mishandling and something that's, you know, a distraction when this team is supposed to be celebrating and enjoying themselves and gearing up for the World Series. You got to deal with bullshit like this. Yeah, and I'm seeing online some people saying that, you know, uh, while they agree with the firing that it could have waited until the end of the World Series. No, fuck that. Like, and then, of course... You he know, made it about himself. He, he could have waited to the end of the World Series before he started shooting his mouth off too, right? Well, my biggest thing about... like, Remember I, I said to you just a second ago, and I, you knew it as well, Like, he almost blew that game, okay? He did... Well, I, I shouldn't say almost. He did blow the game, and then they had to win it in yeah, extra yeah, innings. Yeah, true. So, he had, so it's a blown save, really. It's a blown save, or I don't know if it was extra innings, whatever it was. Yeah. They walked it off. But anyway, he blew it in the ninth. So... It, it, maybe this makes more sense to me if it was a two to one game and Osuna came in for a five out save, you know, like an inning and two thirds. He didn't just get the last three out. Like they brought him in in the eighth right. to get them out of a fucking jam. And then he went three up, three down in the ninth and it was over. That's the moment where you are saying to yourself, man, I'm so fucking glad we had Osuna. But did you catch my phrase to yourself? To yourself. Yeah. Say to yourself, to your colleagues, to the players, to your family members, man, am I ever glad we got Osuna. I yeah. know that and this if, was a lot of baggage and shit, but am I ever glad we have him on the and fucking And you mound? know what? You can be happy you got him because he, he fucking played baseball for you and you liked the way he played, but there's a way to say that, and this wasn't it. So regardless of how malicious this guy intended to be, it comes off like you're a fucking dick. So see you later, and the guy will be fucking... Uh, what do you call it? Like, you, nobody's going to want to touch him. No, no. I mean, he's, he's bad for business, obviously. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, I don't know what the cycle of outrage culture is these days, but how long before you get a job again? But I, I imagine it's going to be a while. But you know what, though, dude? Um, the statement that the Astros released is like, I don't know if you had a chance to click on that link or not, but it, I won't read the whole thing, but it, it, it definitely makes it sound like, you know they're they're trying to repair some damage that may have been done by the initial statement because as you and I spoke about it's very simple for them to say you know what we're we're, we're conducting an investigation we're com- we're we're um uh, we're complying with the uh, major league baseball we're giving them all the assistance yeah, that they we can yeah they could have bought themselves some time yeah 3 fucking days to fire the guy yeah but anyway they after said after they tried to fucking defend him a little bit like after their initial statement that says we have relieved him of his duties his values and his actions or his actions don't correlate with our values here in the Houston Astros organization blah 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 they say our initial belief was based on witness statements about the incident Subsequent interviews have revealed that Taubman's inappropriate comments were in fact directed towards one or more female reporters. Accordingly, we have terminated Brandon Taubman's employment with the Houston Astros. His conduct does not reflect the values of the organization. So, I mean, like you can see where they're kind of saying to them or to to Sports Illustrated and hopefully to the world. Yeah, listen, uh, we were told something different at the start. So we're going to retract what we said originally where you again it all comes back to saving your own bacon just don't say anything at the beginning yeah they could have said nothing and i don't know like i guess they did the right thing eventually it was just very 
poorly mis poorly handled so glad it's somewhat resolved i think they still have some uh they're still going to get raked over the coals for it no doubt and won't escape it but you know if they can put some wins up in the world series i'm sure they can uh, at least make people forget about that fucking debacle yeah no kidding well the world series is going to continue to pick up i don't know exactly when the next game is let's go i should have that up in front of me but it's not a baseball podcast so who the fuck cares who but, the fuck cares uh yeah moving on to hockey um what are we what are we looking at let's go when we look at the standings in the national hockey league we don't have a whole lot of crazy stories miko rantanen is out it's my fucking fault because he's on my fantasy team we all get it I drafted John Tavares this year in the serious pool. What happened to John Tavares? Broken goddamn finger. <laughs> Out. It's always my fault, so let's just move right along. So other than the Miko Rantanen injury, we don't have a ton of you know breaking news or anything other than the Capitals are still very good. The Buffalo Sabres are really good. Apparently good. But I want you to get... Do you want to lead off with Buffalo? Because I'm okay with you leading off with Buffalo. I like what you were going at here with your stats about the Buffalo Sabres. Well, I... Uh- the thing is with both of these teams, Edmonton and Buffalo, I think are the two teams that stand out the most when you look at the standings, right? So you've got two teams that were not just missing the playoffs last year, but it pretty much wasn't even close. Buffalo at least gave them a chance by getting off to a hot start. Yeah, the 10-gamer was, yeah. was great and all. So but which one of those two teams are you more sold on right now as a, as a playoff team? Well, we talked about it just a little bit before we turned on the microphones, and I... I kind of want to. I tend to want to side with the best player in the fucking world in Connor right. McDavid. So there is something about the Oilers that draws me that way, and it is Connor McDavid because of how good he is. Now it is important to note the Oilers have been shut out in their previous two games. So while they're off to a fantastic start, those that number two right there on the schedule is back to back shutouts. Is this concerning? One of them at all? against the Wild. One of them against the Wild. <laughs> That's you, a yes. tough go right there. Is this concerning at all for you or is this just a blip on the radar? Because I mean let's be honest, dude. Connor McDavid goes out there and gets five fucking points. People wake up the next day and go, Yeah. Because he expected to. Yeah, I know. Right? But then when he gets zero, should it and not it, be concerning? Right. And and perhaps a little bit. And that's when those discussions about Oh, is you know should a guy really be playing twenty five, twenty six minutes a game? You know, people start questioning that that strategy. Um, you know, I think they both should be competing for playoff spots. But if I had to pick one, I'm higher on Buffalo because they're a more well rounded team. The only thing that get, might give the Oilers the edge is just the level of competitiveness within the division. Obviously, looking at oh, good Buffalo's point. situation, it's it might be a little more of a dogfight for them to get in the playoff spots if you still consider Tampa, Boston, and Toronto as the top through the teams, which is not what we're seeing so far this it's season. Absolutely not. What but we're if it seeing. plays out the way we think it is or way it's projected to be, uh, you know, Buffalo is going to be slugging it out there with Montreal and a couple of the other fringe teams throughout the conference. Yeah. Well, more on the fucking Leafs later. Okay. We'll just, we'll, we'll wait to get, well, you're going to put a quarter in me when we get to the Leafs. So we'll fucking wait till we get there. Yeah, but, I got quarters to spend on you. But the Sabres, the Sabres thing is interesting though, man. Like when we look at the, the eight and one record, okay. And ask if they're a playoff team. You brought it up perfectly about last year, the 10 game winning streak. And when, when you broke down that 10, well, not you, but when the fan breaks down that 10 game win streak they're all like one goal games, overtime games, shootout games. So we're talking about an inch one way or the other, and that ten and oh that ten and oh win streak could very well be six and four or oh and ten. You know, like it, it, they weren't dominating. 
And those are the kind of games you got to win to get there. A win's but a win. it's also a, a glimpse at, I mean, I took a quick look through at the games they played. They haven't played the best teams in the league by any means. And they have, uh, what, three wins in overtime so far and one shootout victory. So half of their wins right now have come in those, you know, tight situations. So... If, it you, is if you're looking similar. at it like that, it, you know, it, it's easy to get off guns a blazing. I think what they're hoping and banking on is the fact that uh, they seem to be getting a little bit more out of guys like Middlestat and some of the other young guys in the lineup who are coming around a little bit. And the fact that Hutton's been pretty solid for them thus far. Yeah, he has been. Um, I know he's got. I know he's got at least one shutout. I don't know if he's got uh, more than that, but they're plus 14. You know, so they're definitely doing something right. They've got 38 goals for 24 against 5 and 0 at home, 3 1 and 1 on the road. It's great. I mean, uh, three, they've won three consecutive. Um, you know, the Caps have won four in a row. Other than that, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, what Detroit's lost six in a row. So, as far as streaks are concerned, the Sabres are not only up there, but they're continuing it. They're continuing continuing to play well each and every night so you know you talked about them not playing some of the greater teams in the league or whatever but when you really consider it let's go teams like tampa and florida are one and two in the wild card we would have put tampa at the top of the division and maybe buffalo in the wild card so it is still early um i always flip back and forth between whether it's still too early to decide or or if it's a big enough sample size for some teams it's been 11 games and i think at that point in time you may be entering a scenario where you're a little bit concerned. Um, Pittsburgh was off to a good start, but they're they're six and five now overall. Leafs five and four and two. So we've been getting a few points here and there when we when we want to bank some. But again, I think overall it is still a little bit too early to like panic. Yeah, it's not think, it's not panic, panic mode yet no. for sure. And and I think even for teams that like uh, like Buffalo and and Edmonton can't get comfortable. They can't get cocky, right? They can't. They can't, you know, book their ticket mentally to the playoffs. Um, right. One thing with both those teams, and and it could be a contributing factor to their their newfound success, is uh, both new coaches, right? So probably a bit of a systems revamp going on there, and and you know. We talked about Ralph Kruger a little bit in the summertime when he was hired, but I, I've heard nothing but good things about him so far uh, down in Buffalo. And are, yeah, well, okay. Well, what I was going to say there as a joke to you was, are we going to are we going to talk more later in the episode about other new coaches maybe coming in? <laughs> but no, but seriously, I mean, it, it goes without saying. Actually, no, it doesn't go without saying. These are the kind of things that you do have to say. You have to point out the fact that. Some teams make some changes and it goes really well for them. You know what, though, Lesko? Sometimes teams make some changes and it doesn't go so well for them. And in this case, I'm talking about the New York Rangers. All right, so we're talking the Rangers. When we came into the season, I, I wish I could go back and... Uh, you know what? You'd have to listen back because there's just so much going on in our podcast. It's it's not easy to say, oh, at this time, we talked about this. And then at this time... Yeah. We did. And, and, you know, I thought this, and I think a lot of people thought this, that the Rangers were at least trending in the right direction. Oh, I think so. But they're yeah. horrible defensively. Like, they're giving up a ton of shots. I mean, they, still, they do have some offensive talent, but I think also when you combine that new coach with a lot of roster turnover, it's going to take some time to figure it out. And they may never figure it out this year. Well, I, last night, uh, or no, I guess it was this morning I was on Twitter and I was going through, um, you know, just whatever, glancing at what, what uh, caught my eye. And what caught my eye was uh, a post about the Rangers and how they're off to a slow start and what the problem might be. And I mean, it was overwhelming, dude. The responses to the tweet were almost exclusively bitching about 
new head coach David Quinn. Um, and and most of the bitching was specifically about the utilization of the players. So as I'm scrolling down, I was kind of had a, like a a half smile smirk on my face because I was like, man, these are the exact same <laughs> tweets that I've been reading from Leafs Nation here uh, over the last you know couple days. And I at think least we're not bitching about it from the basement, right? Correct, correct. I mean, yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we would be. I don't think there's any real scenario where the fucking Leafs are in the basement. I mean, you'd have to be, you'd have to have some, some, some real, real significant injuries. And we do have significant injuries, but I think you'd have to have even more significant injuries along with some poor play for that to happen. The team is good enough, I think, to at, at the very worst be a 500, uh, like a like a 500 team. Let's go. And uh, again, I don't want to get too much into the Leafs, but that's my that's my problem. Is that if you asked me personally as a fan of the game. Uh, and a huge Leaf fan, I would say that at the absolute worst, this team should be 500. So in that, if I, if that's my answer to you, and I look at our 500 record over the last 50 plus games, would that not say that that's worst case scenario? In my opinion, worst case scenario is a 500 hockey team, and that's what we are. Worst case for the Leafs or yeah, for the Rangers? <laughs> oh, sorry, for the Leafs. I know I got on the coaching, whatever. But for the Leafs, just an interjection, you know what I mean? Like, I think at, at worst, this team would be 500. At worst. That sounds reasonable. It sounds reasonable. And even that sounds... But it, it sounds terrible because it's like, how the fuck is this team a 500 hockey club? At worst, I said, yeah. right? So yeah. at worst, you're 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 a bubble team. <laughs> so, if, so if you're telling me that throughout the year, we... we it, the worst they do is is a five hundred. Yeah, the, yeah. hanging around five hundred. Well, I mean that's the thing. It's been since January. Okay, it has been since January, mm-hmm. and uh, the 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 statistics speak for themselves. I understand it's regular season and all that jazz, and playoffs are a different story. But you look at the stats, and the stats say that we're five hundred. Actually, I believe it's sub five hundred because you're counting the points garnered from losing in overtime. Yeah, it's a so bad trend. So when I, the fan, look at it, I say this many Ws out of this many games. It's a bad trend, and I see a lot of people throwing that out on Twitter right now, and a lot of it followed up by gripes about, you know, deployment, coaching, whatever whatever things that we have to bitch about, fourth-line centers and shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think regardless of that, I try not to look at last year that much is because the team is so much different and because right now, so far in the Leafs season, it appears that the underlying stats are are solid. Um, what's been the notable drop-off is the goaltending, right? Not getting the, uh, the same on-ice save percentage that uh, the team's used to having from Frederick Anderson. And uh, if you don't have that, it's going to impact everybody. It's going to impact, my, you know, say, Austin Matthews, who I think is a minus right now. Yeah, and I mean, when when he first broke into the league, his prowess five on five was one of the things that everybody talked about. They said this guy's a rookie. He's scoring forty goals in the league. He's a plus a hundred. But then I remember thinking way back then, hey, you know what? Matthews is fucking fantastic and everything. But this 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 guy here with the big schnoz right next to him, Zach Hyman, that guy gets in there and creates all kinds of shit. And everyone says, oh, you're off your rocker, Coley. The guy shouldn't even be on that line. He should be on the fourth line. He's a bum. And then lo and behold, I believe they played 82 full games together. That was the one thing that never changed in the yeah. rookie season was Hyman and Ma- uh, Matthews. Matthews Nylander. Nylander, no, no, Nylander did change for Connor Brown. It oh, was oh, yeah. sometimes it was Matthews, Hyman, and Brown, uh, but most of the time it was Matthews, Hyman, and Nylander. But a hundred percent of the time it was Matthews, Hyman. right? Right. That duo was never ever broken up. 
and I was a huge proponent of that being a factor five on five. Then they switched up the lines and put Hyman with Mitch and John. And then that line was by far our best five on five line. And the Matthews, Janssen, Nylander line dipped big time. Well, I mean, Matthews didn't have Nylander for the majority of last season well, as well. Well, not so. for the majority. I mean, I, well, well, the majority. Two like, months. Because even when he did come back, he didn't play with Matthews for the oh, most very part. Oh, very true. And because yeah, he very, ended yeah, up sorry. sliding into center, right? Yeah, you're very, very, you're very, you're right about that. But you know what, I, you know where I'm getting at though, right? Like, sure, Taveras came in and Mitch was a huge minus player before Hyman. And everyone says, well, it's because of John Taveras. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it is. It might be because of Hyman. Yeah, it's definitely working. definitely a combination of things, right? I mean, those guys work so well together, and you know, Hyman's the type of guy who keeps pucks and uh, pucks deep in the other team's end. Oh, gotta get those pucks in deep, boy! Fuck it, that's the name of the show, man. Plug. Um, the uh, the officiating, though, I wanted to get into quickly before we get balls deep, pucks deep. Oh and the yeah, Leafs, okay, man. nice, yeah, yeah. Um, I you know I think we started looking into it a little bit after the Bruins Leafs. If any of you guys watched that game on Saturday, I know it was it was infuriating to watch. Uh, some of the shit that was getting called in the Leafs, and it seems it, it seems frequent that Boston gets away with a lot of shit, not just saying against the Leafs. And I'm trying not to come off as like fucking blaming this and that on on the referees. My but, least favorite thing in the world. But I mean, this is something that you know I've had issue with for a while, and I know the the Leafs constantly evolving and changing the rules and shit. But I've watched this game my whole fucking life, and I couldn't tell you what's a fucking penalty and what is not anymore. It's kind of almost reverted back to the only time where I'm confident that there is going to be a penalty is when a guy dives and takes his feet out. That's the only penalty call that seems to be consistent. Like a, a for sure t- tripping penalty. For sure tripping. Like for sure trip. Like yeah. he don't. Like I'm not. I don't mean breakaway. Oh, it could be a penalty shot. I just mean a, a, like the the hand is going in the air when you dive and and swing with the stick and and trip the guy. And even puck first, I think a lot of the time it's still called. It's because, questionable. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, the arm goes up all the time. So that one is pretty much the only time. I mean, last couple games, you know, it's 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 been a complete joke it has and it needs it needs to be addressed and i think at this point you agreed with me before we went to air and i was saying you know dubis and shanny they're on the fucking fo- they're on the horn yeah, they're you on gotta, the horn you gotta be doing some lobbying i feel like that's part of the job right yeah true i think you're doing that yeah. regularly anyways but and they I probably mean, the league probably prefer you do that than you call them out in the media because that's when the fines come out and they slap yeah, you on the wrist and let's be honest dude a guy like shanahan who spent time in the nhl front office with player safety uh, Kyle Dubas, just given the fact that we've seen how he conducts himself in the public, uh, in the public's eye on social media, he's got a good Twitter presence. Yeah, he's, he's not about to go on a Twitter thread no. about officiating or yeah, something. He's not going to do that, right? But someone's got to make a couple phone calls, dude, because the statistics are are, are are bad. I mean, we've had what what was it? The eighteen power plays against us to our five or something over the over the last five games. Yeah, or something like yeah. That. I mean, it was I think it was six to one against Boston. And uh, the one the game in Columbus the other day was Three to bad. Zero. Was bad as well. Four to zero or something um, like that. I think it was a little bit more even in the game against Boston the other day. But you know, part of that's on the players too. They know the fucking rules, and I and I, I always seem to think that um, penalty calls trend up a little bit in the early in the season. But that actually inspires us to take a bit of a deeper dive. So Josh here uh, looked up some figures on the. Uh, amount of penalties or the rate of penalties being called over the over the course of the season so far and we compared that with some historical data and found some kind of an interesting trend 
I'm glad you brought it up because oh here it is right here. I couldn't find the I couldn't find the tab. I could tell by the look in your face you didn't have it ready. So I was like oh I should draw this out. I was like really get wordy with it. You were it was good it was good yeah. So you know it was interesting. We only talked about this as soon as you got here. Normally you do great work, my man. I commend you every time. Yeah, great work with the fucking prep. I throw my shit in there like hours before we go, but you kind of get the structure down, which I was is on great. A tear all weekend. So. Uh, were you? Yeah. Well, we'll have to get into that real quick. <laughs> Um, okay, but for me, it, what I wanted to do is I just I just Googled it, you know, penalties, and it's great. Obviously, hockeyreference.com is such a great website uh, for those of you out there that aren't familiar with it. It basically has fucking everything. PDO for you fancy heads out there. Um, it's great. But so so far, through uh, through 144 total games played this season, let's go, um, the power play opportunities per game are currently 3.33. So you might think to yourself, geez, that doesn't sound like a lot. And, you know, it, it doesn't. But it is uh, the most that we've seen since the 2010-2011 season when it was two, or excuse me, 3.54. So I know we're only 144 games in, uh, but 144 games in is a decent sample size as far as the league is concerned not a team yeah, yeah seven to, games to give for you one an idea team. it's not just we're not just crazy as leaf fans fucking seeing this and thinking that what's going on we're getting screwed yeah. and i don't want to get into like you know people obviously conspire and especially when it's leafs versus bruins people think there's a big fucking conspiracy about it but i don't it, it what frustrates me the most and again i go back to what i'm saying uh, me not knowing as a fan watching the game and somebody who who considers themselves the person who knows the game that well to be sitting there and not know the penalty calls. And I even noticed it on the broadcast. For instance, there was that roughing penalty that Janssen got right after he got out of the box, two seconds after the puck was dropped, gave him a phantom fucking roughing call. The broadcast didn't even know what the penalty was because the, the play continued and then they went to commercial break and still hadn't showed it yet. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but that was Boston, correct? Yeah, Jack Edwards and the color guy, whatever his name is, mm. even those guys even said it was know. soft. Even they said no, it's no, soft. No, no, they, they, well, I'm not sure if they knew. I wasn't watching but it. But even Jack Edwards said it was soft. Yeah, when I they, thought you were going to say Jack Edwards say he fucking punched him in the back no, of the but, head and knocked but, him out cold or no, something. No, but you would imagine that I would say that, right? Yeah. Because it's Jack Edwards and he's the biggest homer of all fucking time. But that, that only further proves my point, dude, or our point here. Is that even Jack Edwards, the most homerist fucking homer of all? He couldn't homers, even spin that. He couldn't even spin it. He, they, him, and the color guy both like they saw the penalty, and you know what it was, right? It was just like a little shot. They just like, bumped him, basically, bumped off him the with, draw, his, with his yeah. forearm, kind of almost bopped him on the top of the head, kind of with his with his forearm. Like it was just yeah. uh, ridiculous. And they called it, and both of them were like, they didn't say much, and they both just kind of went like, oh, yeah, that's like, soft. As far as I'm concerned, it's like if you're not. If you're not directly interfering with a, a fucking um, a scoring opportunity, or you know you knock the, uh, illegally knock the puck away from a player, um, and you're and you're not in, you're injuring someone, like wh- why else should there be a penalty? Isn't that the whole idea to protect the fucking players and protect the integrity of the game? Okay, I don't care if somebody's fucking stick touched somebody's glove. You know, if it has zero effect on the play, I don't care. I get it that they're trying to call all of it all the time. But let's be honest, man. As somebody who played the game yourself, you fucking stick check a guy. What's the first thing that happens when the stick goes up? Your stick slides up their shaft and bumps their gloves. And that's becoming a penalty now in the NHL. Yeah, ideally, I'd like to see it only called when you're holding it there. 
I don't mind the walk. right when there's something like they're holding it there. There's there, there's pressure being put by me right, or onto you can your tell hands. that it like it knocked it's the hindering uh, them. You know, knocked the puck yeah. out, made the the puck carrier fumble the puck. Right. See, I'm okay with the whack, 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 but the problem there is we had the Johnny Goudreau. Right. Right. Okay, and he was you know shaking his hand, then he got slashed again, and then was the slid, next game. Sid chopped off Mathot's finger. Mathot's there finger too, got chopped yeah. off. Everybody wanted a fucking uh, oh my god, Eugene wanted to file a. A, a, an assault on it or something yeah, like that, yeah, right? Is, or, or, or was that the Achilles? That was the Achilles thing, I think. He, yeah. no, he was like hiring a forensic investigator <laughs> or some shit like that. I wonder whatever came out. I wonder if he found someone to take the case. We no, should no, follow no, up no, on that. I ended up reading that somewhere. Some reporter was, was willing to dig it up and try to get some comments. And basically the, the, the moral of the article was... This is dead. It was never going it's a anywhere. Smoke He's just an idiot, yeah, basically. Yeah. He's just showing off. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't even really remember where we were going with we're that. We're talking oh, about oh, penalties yeah. now. We don't know what's a penalty anymore. So I wanted to point out that, of course, we all know that the NHL locked out in the 04-05 season. So there was no 04-05 season. But when we came back for 05 and 06, we saw the, the most amount of penalties, I believe, maybe even ever, uh, in the history of the league, I'm just going to do it. And I, I recall that too. And it, yeah, it's especially because the Leafs were old and slow, and they took shit tons of penalties. Most power plays going. since the, since 1930s when when they started keeping track of it. So anyway, the point is, it was 5.85 power plays per game in that first season out of the lockout. So yeah, almost six power I plays a game. That. Then it went down by a full uh, try, 4.85 and then 4.28. It was steadily on the decline all the way down until 2013. There was a jump, but you can see where I'm going with it. Yeah, it was, I mean, was, so what we're, what we're basically we figured out is that the penalty calls thus far are what the highest they've been since 2011, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely, yeah. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that stat throughout the season to see if uh, we are onto something or not, or if it's just that that early season clampdown that seems to happen every year, where they're you know they're calling absolutely everything and then trigger happy things go along. But and I got to figure the players must agree on this as well. Like I, as a fan, I just want to see some consistency. I know it's hard, but. I, it's it's almost like there's too much discretion to be had here. And then you throw in weird things like even up calls and like, yeah. you know, the fans getting on the refs and they feel pressured to call something like human beings, right? Yeah, yeah. I would I say guess that, that's part of the human element. I would say that over the course of the last five seasons, this this early season so far not included, I have been one of the few out there that really back the official, okay? I'm not in this game to blame the officials when the Leafs lose or talk about a reason why the officials were a factor. Let's use San Jose and Vegas playoffs last year. Let's use that as an example, okay? Yes, there was a terrible power play that was given to uh, San Jose and they should have never had it. But that doesn't mean that they absolutely had to win the game, let's go. The penalty could have been killed. So at the end of the day, while it was a factor and you may argue that it was the absolute deciding factor as to why they won the series... But at the end of the day, they could have killed the penalty. So what's the big deal? Yeah, you have to keep in mind... Officials don't throw the fucking puck in the net, is what I'm saying. You have to earn goals. You can't just get them given to you by the officials. And I agree with you about it, too, about not getting too hard into it and too hard on the officials, even when you're watching a game, because you have to think about it from the player's perspective and what they teach you in sports is you can't fucking worry about it. Because if you spend the rest of the game upset or pissed off at the officials about... 
whatever call, you're not, you're not focused on your primary objective here, and that's playing the game and scoring some goals. Everything gets right? worse, too, because so, then you start needling the other guy because you feel slighted. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Or you think like, oh, fuck, buddy got away with this, so I'm going to get with that. No, no, you're not. Two minutes. Because you, you put up a stink about that call, so they're watching you the rest of the fucking game. Like, take it from me. I'm, a, I'm the type of guy who took shit loads of penalties when I played the game. So <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly how that shit works. Like, <laughs> we got to, you know what we got to do is we got to get like uh, a guy like Patterson or like one of the old refs who used to ref our games all the time and they could tell us about how big of pieces of shit we were on the ice back in the day. That's a good call because I remember like before I even knew Patterson, he was officiating me and yeah. I probably was fucking giving it to him all the time, right? Oh, and, and of course, we can... started refing later and he was one of our seniors. Yeah, yeah. Not seniors, but senior ref. Yeah, and you could get you could get into it with those guys so hard, like the amount of shit they put up with. I guess like you're a fucking kid and you think you're a fucking hot shit. Oh, you're, you're saying, hot shit. You're, you're saying, calling them <laughs> cocksuckers and whatever, and they're just laughing at you, teeing you up. Yeah, teeing you up. Remember how many times Hammer would just not give one fuck No, not at all. They just laugh in your fucking laugh face. In your face. Yeah. Go to the bench, he'd say. Go exactly. to the bench. And, and he, he knows you're so mad, and he also knows that you're 16 years old. Yeah. So you know, it's that you're like on the fucking edge. You know? Yeah, exactly. I couldn't imagine what it must be like, let's go now to be a ref of 15, 16, 17 year olds. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to paint all of the teenagers out there with one brush, but you know where I'm going with this. Like, it must be difficult for <laughs> some refs kids these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can't really go off on them because someone's got someone's you. Someone's going to tell someone. Someone's got you on video. Someone's then, got you on video. Yeah, exactly. Somebody in the rink picks up on a video and then it goes fucking online and, you know, then you're having a goddamn hearing. It's like it used to be the <laughs> official's word against yours and that was it. And you lost. You lost every time. <laughs> I've been to hearings. I know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But, yeah, I mean, nowadays you're definitely getting called into a fucking hearing and you're probably not being able to ref anymore because you told a kid to eat your ass before, yeah. before the face off. Tell him to suck your dick yeah. and get in the penalty <laughs> box or something, right? <laughs> that might be a little overboard, but like, yeah, I mean, shut your mouth, eat my ass, you asshole. Yeah, like, yeah. just something stupid. And now, you oh, you told me to do that. Like, you couldn't say anything like that. No, you like, can't. I don't know. I'd You'd be, be totally fucked. Yeah. So going back to like um, games getting decided by penalty calls, though. So that with that Leafs game against Columbus the other day, you know, would you say that was a game that was decided by that penalty shot in overtime? Because, I mean, okay, give him a penalty, fine. But it was a fucking soft call, and even if that was in the first period. Yeah, I mean, if we want to break down that specific play, because I don't believe that that specific play was the reason why the Leafs did or did not win the game. The Leafs weren't good enough anyways. Um, they, they, oh, yeah, they, they shouldn't they, have been there in the first place. They shouldn't have been there in the first place, but let's talk about it because it fucking happened. Um, it was soft. It was soft. It, it was a, it was a penalty at best, uh, and like you said, you point out a great point. The the player ended up getting a fantastic scoring chance, anyways. Um, you know, it would almost be like calling a penalty shot because I tripped you at the blue line, but then you got up and came in one on one, and you had no obstructions. Yeah, are you still going to call that penalty I mean, shot? In Maybe, that situation, guess, but... you already got tripped in the situation you're describing. But I mean, in the situation that we're talking about, buddy. It had zero impact on his ability to get a quality shot off. So, I, and it goes back to what I was saying. It's like if it's not directly impeding a scoring opportunity, putting a player at risk, like I don't fucking care if you call it or not, really. Yeah, true. Well, you know what? Let me put it this way, dude. You think about the Janssen penalty that we just talked about earlier, the, the hit on the head kind of with the glove yeah. there. Let's compare that to the shit that goes on in front of the net. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ter- 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 murdering guys. I can't believe how much stuff that guy gets away with. 
Um, I mean, again, he's a legend, whatever. He's got everybody, you know, utmost respect of players and executives, referees, you name it. Yeah, fine. But holy shit, man, does he get away with fucking murder out there. And, and the thing that bothers me the most is when a guy's trying to burn him and he, he runs a little interference. And he runs just enough to seem seemingly get away with it, right? And he's very famous with the... Uh the ha- the hands in the air. The I'm not doing it. I'm not doing but it. You already did it. I'm just skating in in, in his path. Yeah, right? but you already did it. Like, yeah, you already did it. Exactly. We understand you're not hooking or holding onto him, but you 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 did kind of hold onto him about four seconds ago. So yeah. what's up with that? Yeah. No, it, it it can be a bit a bit frustrating, especially when, like I said, well, don't God forbid should you touch a guy anywhere near his gloves with a stick, and you're going to the box immediately. Oh, and if you know you get away with cross checking a guy in the back three times in a row. And smashing his face in the ice after the whistle, but don't shoot the puck over the glass. Yeah, or the I remember the one that I was bitching about, and again, like what I was a long time ago when we started the officiating conversation, I I wanted to preface this whole segment by saying that I absolutely can't stand the crutch of the officials. I hate being able to, or I hate when people think that they're able to be like, well, the officiating was garbage, so that's it. Like that's the hill you're gonna die on. You're gonna die on the hill that means you had to have the officials assistance to win yeah, not 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 assistance because they're helping yeah. you but you needed the help of penalties to win the game you should be able to win the game regardless i understand that it is a factor and it counts for something I, but at the end of the day you, you do have to draw those penalties and leave start drawing any penalties i think yeah their differential is awful right now and you think for a team that's built on speed and skill and getting around guys that they would draw significantly more um you know back going back a few years ago they were drawing a ton and then it really tapered off in the last couple of years. Um, I think last year it was, it was one of the, they were among the lowest teams for penalties drawn. And uh, yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit before about Kadri not getting the benefit of the doubt like he once did. Yeah, you true. You know, kind yeah. of burn those bridges. But uh, yeah, you're right. I, you know, I, I'm not saying the Leafs got to change the way they play. Maybe be a little bit more careful with their sticks out there. That would definitely help. It seems that Janssen can't keep his ass out of the penalty box. And Mitch has even been picking up a few, not to mention the the penalty shot that led to that game-winning goal. Yeah, I mean, what what I wanted to bring up when I was talking about in comparison to the Janssen penalty, do you remember our first uh, game against Boston this year when uh, they took a penalty on Goche? Someone tripped Goche, and Marshan thought that Goche dove. So, oh, yeah, he went after so he, him. So yeah. he skated over and gave him a good one. Yeah. Like a real good one. One good fucking cross-check. And... That was the moment where I caught myself messaging my fucking buddies and I was like, if we, if we did that, it would be a two minute five on three. Yeah. Yeah. And my buddy fucking responded to me and said, you know what? First time in NHL history, they might even go five on two (laughs) just because, you know, And, and I laughed because it was to the point where I was, I was watching myself type these fucking letters that said "fuck the refs" kind of thing, you know. And I yeah. hate, I, and I hate it. I know we like to joke about you know the the league and the refs being against the Leafs and all that, and it's all in good fun. And and I'm not alluding that any of that there's any truth to any bullshit like that. But I'm saying how frustrating it is a fan. And it's got to be frustrating for someone who maybe doesn't understand the game as well. Or you're trying to get into the game. You're probably constantly confused as to what's a penalty and what's not. Because if I don't know what it is, then how the fuck should you know? 
Yeah, as well, a casual fan or somebody who's just trying to get even a hardcore it. fan. Yeah, I mean, we find ourselves in every hockey game I'm watching, just just questioning everything. So I, I you know, I'm not offering any answers or proposing any solutions here. We're just kind of venting about okay. how we feel about it. But I, <laughs> I thought I think you had a solution. Consistency, I think, is the only solution. But trying to get that with all the referees across the board and game in, game out, I think is very difficult. So it might be just setting the standards differently, them taking a hard look at what do we want called, what do we need to call, and what do we need to lay off on, and then trying to cement that standard because there are certain things that are just so subjective or they're like, oh, you hooked a guy, but your back was to the official and he saw the stick go up in and around your midsection and you, you kind of brushed it off or something, but there wasn't actually any hooking action. You know, say it like a, the example I gave earlier of a, uh, a stick lift where your stick rides up uh, to the pl- uh, player's gloves. Right, right, right. You know, but the ref is so ready when he sees the stick in that area that they throw up the arm. Almost, it's almost like a defensive position as the referee to just call it anyway in the in the event that they miss something, God forbid. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the only real solution overall would be to consider calling fewer. I feel like that is the easy solution is to say, okay, we're going to we're gonna make a significant... Um, Effort. We're going to have a significant mm-hmm. effort to reduce the amount of penalties that we're actually going to call here. Mm-hmm. And because of that fact, I feel like the actual penalties, you'll start seeing them rise to the top. Right. Meaning right. meaning you got to kill someone out there to take a penalty. So maybe a little bit more attention to detail the way they officiate games mm-hmm. in the playoffs. And I know they're always. it's always about now molding player behavior and trying to get them to play certain ways and trying to weed certain things out, out of the game, which I, I totally agree with. But look around the NHL now. Fights are down. Head hits down. Almost bordering on non-existent these days. Um, you know, hits from behind. All that kind of dirty shit is gone, right? So I understand their work. They've been really clamping down on the hooking and clutching and grabbing. But because... Nobody's hitting each other anymore, and there's so much so much speed in the game. The stick work is going to pick up. It's it, it's going to happen. I, I think it's just an effect of the way the game's evolved. So, I I don't know the answer to to solving the the problem of the hooking calls, but I, I think it's uh, definitely a symptom of uh, of what the NHL has done to itself in the way that they've. Uh, evolved and changed the way they officiated and try, in trying to get those certain aspects out of the game. Well, think about it at a grassroots level too, man. Like when we were playing, okay, we still saw a lot of those big body checkers. There was lots of, sometimes we would play teams as you, I'm sure you would remember, and they would have some big, big bodies on there. And they weren't the greatest players. They were just intimidating players. It was a big part of the game. And I think now... Like when I, when I am at the rink and it's not very often when I'm at the rink, like I'm not watching games, minor hockey games or all-star games or anything, but I do see a lot of the younger, uh, categories out on the ice skating around and everyone's small. Everyone's real, real small because it's, if you're, if you're big, you gotta be real good now is the thing. If you're, if you're big, you gotta be good along with it. Whereas back a few years ago, or maybe more than a few you could be big and have a role on the team of intimidating right. and laying out those big hits. So it starts Pushing at the kids gra- around. Yeah, it starts yeah. at the grassroots level and now it it goes up because all everyone is looking for now, let's go, is speed. Speed, hands, and shooting. Speed hand shoot. Speed hand shoot. Because if you have good hands and a good shot, you can probably pass. And if you're fast, then you can fucking skate around everybody else and get in there all alone. And you can see that at the younger at the younger levels where oftentimes the the best player on the team 
is by default the fastest player on the team. Yeah, well, I even thought that when I was at the Junior A game, uh, the season opener for the Lumber Kings was that, you know, watching them introduce all the players at how small these guys were. You know, it used to be a requirement. I think you had to be six foot for them to even look at you back in the day. Right. Right. And then, and then I think they barely had got any guys over six feet, you know, from what I could tell out there. And there sure wasn't a lot of hitting at all. No, but I mean, that's why we see these stick infractions. The Mainly the hooking and the tripping is going to happen more because instead of getting in there with the body, you're getting in there with the stick now. Mm-hmm. Because... If I body you, okay, it takes both of us out of the play. Yeah. And I don't want to be out of the play because I'm, 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 well, I mean, Mitch Marner is probably a bad example, but because <laughs> he's so small. But I mean, if you're any other player that, you know, uh, Brady Kachuk might be a good example. Like he likes to get in on the body, but he's also skilled. So he wants to separate you from the puck in a way that he can get the puck. Well, how can he do that? It's not so much a big body check as it is body positioning and good sticks. Yeah, good it's, stick it's, hands. It's, stick it's hitting to separate the player yeah. from the puck. I mean, that's. That's the only way you can place a quantifiable value, I guess, to hits is if you're actually separating and your team's regaining, regaining possession the puck, yeah. as a result. Whereas back in the day, you could, you, I feel like you could, you could actually measure the momentum that would happen from a big hit. Yeah, because you paste some kid into the boards and knock his bucket off or something. Oh, you're right? chirping him on the way back to the bench. His oh, everybody's have to be like, him. oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, so freaking some bunch of moms are chirping him. Like, it's <laughs> so cutthroat yeah, back in the quit day. Quitting my son out there. Freaking yeah. really dating ourselves here. But, yeah, we are. Um, so the Leafs got some cuts upcoming here, right? We've got a situation where Hyman and Dermot are on their way back. Um, it sounds like uh, Dermot could be getting some action as early as next week versus Washington, uh, which would be great. Um, oh, I was reading that he would be eligible to return on Saturday. See, that's what I first read yesterday, but I read this today, so therefore that's the truth. Oh, I see. <laughs> but also, he eligible doesn't mean going correct, to. Correct, yes. Eligible so, means his... his, his uh, like cleared to play, I guess. Yeah, 24 days or 10 games. Yeah, so he's been on uh, yeah LTIR long enough as well, right? So that's so what they it is. M- meet the minimum minimum requirement for that. So due to the Leafs cap hell, as we keep liking to call it, are we in um, cap hell? Well, essentially, with three hundred <laughs> and some thousand left, I um, thought it was less than basically that. Basically, they they can't afford. They'll be like two point something million over once Dermot slots back in. Okay. So basically, what that spells out is we got to snap two guys, and it could be Spezza. It could be Spezza. It could be Spezza because, you know, Shore is a little grittier. He he might be more of a Babcock type, and we know Babcock really hasn't made it any praise over Spezza's way. But Shore can win faceoffs as well, so you you don't get an edge there if you're Spezza. So I really think it, it's going to be it's going to be it could be either Patan and Marinson or Patan and Spezza. Now this also leaves them with an in, another more interesting predicament is that they're about to go on a road trip. And it makes it more difficult for them to make emergency call-ups from the Marlies, right? Ah, yes. Good so point. they could be out on this road trip. Well, I think they're going down to Vegas and stuff and maybe Arizona. But they could end up in a situation where they are down a guy straight up. Like they don't have, they don't have the roster spots or the cap space to bring someone up. So it's going to be really interesting to watch um, not just who they put on waivers, but what... Um, the scenarios look like moving forward. Well, and there was reports coming out over the last couple of days too, Lesko, that Nick Patan is on the block, right? Um, I guess Dubas is 
uh, sent his carrier pigeons out into the air to let everyone know that Nick Patan's available. You got to figure though, if you're a team, you're going to sit tight and just think you might be able to get him on get waivers, him on waivers. Right? But I mean, if you want to jump up and you know Kevin Hayes, the guy, yeah, go ahead or give me give me <laughs> fourth what, round or fifth seventh round, rounder, seventh round, seventh round or fifth something round like that. maybe. Oh man, so. Well, we'll keep an eye on that, and I, you know, I, it's it's great to have Hyman Dirt back, and I think they plan for this. I think that's why they loaded up on a plethora of cheap talent or cheap plugins and and guys who can role play for them. So, well, with the, they're prepared. Yeah, well, with the anticipation that our big guns would be our big guns, right? And that seems to be a bit of a a, a theme over the last couple of games. Uh, pretty quiet from thirty four and sixteen. Uh, most um glaringly obvious against the Bruins the other day. Maybe some of the worst hockey we've seen them play. They coll- barely touched the puck collectively. They barely touched the puck and they, they got absolutely owned at 5 on 5. And going into the game, Matthews had actually had very very good 5 on 5 stats as far as, you know, shots for and against, expected goals, all that shit. But man, did they ever get the floor mopped with them by by who may be now considered the biggest leaf killer in the NHL, David Pasternak. I think he's succeeded. Uh, Is he taking that from Ovi? Ovi. Yeah, Ovi, I think, was probably the biggest one for a while. Yes. But Pasternak, man, like a highlight reel assist, a highlight reel goal. Yeah, that And then goal they had sick. one stolen from him, too, on that on that chintzy offside call that we got them back on. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Well, that one was garbage, though. Um, Hutchinson should have had... I know we're, I know it got taken away, so who cares? But yeah. it was like a 60-footer, like right all the way from the blue line, and it went right into his chest, and it spit out in front yeah, of him. Yeah, that was a fumble. Marshan did a great great job to get it free, but it should have never been free. It was nice because whoever the Leafs video guy, shout out to him because he, he saved the team and, and Hutchinson on that. And Hutchinson actually bounced back and played probably one of the best games I've seen him play as a Leaf because he certainly gave them a chance in he a did. game where it seemed... Like they didn't have one based on their play. They didn't. I kept saying to my buddies in the chat group, I was like, I can't believe we're even involved. The The team has not looked good. And I said, then the fucking worst part about this is that we're going to win this game. We didn't. But I was thinking to myself, we're going to win this game. And it's just going to create false... A false sense of hope completely. Right, like one of those, you, you escaped with it and you just go to bed happy, but deep down you're like, ah, that was ugly. That was ugly. That yeah. was greasy. Yeah. You know? And you got to get those right. And then, you know, it wins a win right at the end of the day. But <laughs> it almost sounds like we're talking about some greasy pickup at 3.30. After. <laughs> <laughs> like a, I don't know, man. This is fucking nasty. Oh, man. But you got to do it. A kill, boy. A kill's a kill. A kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So, quick stats on Pasternak. After a bit of a slow start in his last uh, eight games played, the guys had 10 goals, seven assists. I I know after the win uh, against the Maple Leafs the other day, he was leading the NHL in scoring. Um, Just an outstanding talent. And that line's a handful. They're one of the best lines in the league. We've said that repeatedly here. But if you're you're a Leaf fan, if you're a Leaf player, um, if you're Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, you want to perform against the best players in the league, and they just they just didn't do it. And you want to see them rise to the occasion. I get it. Second day after back back, they looked fucking tired. Don't get me wrong, but I mean they got absolutely dominated and outclassed out there. And it's just, it, it I don't know if it, it's you can point to the a youth being a factor there. If if there's that that lack of consistency that we talk about from the team, but. I can't remember a game where Austin didn't at least 
you know, take the play on his back and make, try and make something happen and, you know, have a, an outstanding chance because he, he's just deathly quiet out there. There's always outstanding shifts. Yeah, like right? even in there's, bad games, there there's he, good. He'll shifts. rip up the ice yeah. and get a good chance or something. He but loves he just the, he loves the wraparound. You'll see him try the wraparound, and sometimes it spits out front for for a chance. Uh, he's usually finding his way to or around the net with the puck, or he takes yeah. a, a hot snapshot from forty feet out that catches the glass and kind of makes you go, "Oh, that could have been in," you know. But he really didn't have any of that. And there's been a couple games now, man, where he hasn't really had it. Yeah, and I know he, and it's become more obvious as time goes on. Especially, I think when he gets matched up against that top competition, that he's he's not that good defensively. And 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 I shouldn't say not that good because I think he has the the abilities, obviously, to be good. But he just looks lost out there sometimes when he doesn't have the puck, out of position, coasting, things like that. And I know I brought it up before, and we try not to hammer on him too hard. And usually we don't have to because we have positive things to talk about, right? Right, but. You know, you got you to gotta give it where it's deserved. And he knows it too. I mean, he said the right things after that game. He's like, we need to be better. I need to be better. You know, he, he knows what expectations are. And, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the boys feel a little bit of pressure because, you know, impatient fan bases here, like your fucking Corsi and all your stats can be wonderful, but we want goals, right? Fans, $20 million in players and we expect goals and we expect wins. So It's not even what we want, man. It's what's needed. Yeah, that too, because I think it's needed. They got to prove it to themselves as well, yes, right? Yes, like there's no one else. There's no one else to be to, to be blamed here. And I mean, perfect segue because I, I'm like I'm wondering where you're at in terms of trying to identify a cause. What's the cause for these players who, you know, over the course of the last three full seasons, we have seen some very strong play we've seen you know teams go through ups and downs okay that's granted it's going to happen it's a sport but there were bright spots i'd say on almost every night let's go i mean i know we haven't been blown out at all this year and i know it's been a while since Tampa. we since we were well okay yeah you're right <laughs> but that kind of got out of hand quickly kind of thing yeah it, you know what i mean it was like i guess i mean like totally shellacked like back in the day against nashville like when you really right, right. when you really just get run out of town yeah. out of town you know and uh, it hasn't happened that badly in in a while and even when the team has been going through some some tough times you'd still see goals from Matthews or you know nice setup plays from Marner and it was almost like the other guys can't do it it's just these guys doing it we need mm-hmm. some depth and now all of a sudden we're getting tons of depth and we can't get anything from our big guys and i need you to try and tell me why it's not that Mike Babcock I know it's easy to look that way for sure. And why is it we've easy gone, though? We've gone on well because you're Are you thinking because you're no because you're assuming that everything is good with these players and and they're all fine and they're all cohesive and they're gelling and all that shit. Like you're not. Your my immediate reaction too is to think about because we've criticized Babcock at length about you know mainly deployment issues things like that, but. I'll give him some credit in that he's made a lot and he's been forced to with the injury of JT to make a lot of different adjustments, right? We saw Matthews putting up 23 minutes, I think, in the victory against Boston on Saturday night, um, which is up there with, I think, his career high overall in ice time. And that was without a fucking second of power play time, I'm pretty sure. Um, You know, he's mixed it up a little bit. He's gone Matthews, um, Matthews Marner, Matthews Nylander. Uh, 
the Matthews Mariner thing really doesn't seem to be doing it a five on five, and I can't I can't tell you why. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to try and break that down to its bare roots. No, of course not. But I guess what I'm getting at at the end of the day, dude, is when I see, uh, I, I'm seeing a transformation uh, from our big guns, and I'm talking, I'm talking Marner, Matthews, Nylander, Riley, okay, as well. Riley has not been good. No, he's been pretty disappointed. Riley mean, has been flashes getting, of brilliance as usual when he's carrying the puck, but his play without the puck has not he, been good enough. And he's got a boat anchor with him too, with CC, right? Bro, yeah. Well, he had Hainsey before. Yeah. Bro, he has been getting walked, like walked the way the way you would dangle a fucking computer player in NHL when you get the puck or something. You know what I mean? I don't know what, where I'm going with this, but like between the legs kind of thing around his body, like he's getting dangled. It's mm-hmm. not just that he's getting beat to the outside. He's, he's pivoting in, in weird mo- moments and, and getting beat to the inside and the outside. Like, I don't know what's going on. It's just mm-hmm. complete discombobulation. I don't understand. Obviously I think it would have something to do with the adjustment period with, with having Cody CC be there. Um, but I'm still not ready to like throw CC under the bus because I don't think he's been like god awful terrible. But that pairing collectively right. has been not good. It, at it's all. definitely been a mismatch, and and I see them sometimes trying to get Muzzin and Barry out there against the top lines, and uh, that might be the best decision at least until those two figure it out or they figure out a better configuration for the D. Whether that's you know Dermot playing the right side, moving up once he gets comfy. Um, they're going to have to work through these problems, but I guess what's most frustrating about the game against Boston the other day is that they, like Hutchinson gave them a chance to win. Kerfoot line gave them a chance to win and they couldn't figure it out. So here's what I said to my buddy, because as you and everyone that's listening to this podcast or follows me on Twitter, or anything knows I'm done. I'm done. Like it should be, it should be done right now. I think it should be done right now. And every day that goes by, I think it should have been done yesterday. I think we're well past the point of. So you uh, just of, think it doesn't work, and it's. Not I don't think it's work. working anymore. Right. And it's not going to. And right. and and the, the 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 biggest problem I have with it, and I said this to my buddy, is like, I went on a rant in that one Facebook chat group I'm in there with the Leaf guys. I went in the fucking rant, and I said, "Look, it. Here's my biggest problem I have right now. The only players on this roster." that I see that are giving it their all on a consistent level, every fucking shift are the following players. Players that don't have a guaranteed spot on this roster, players that don't want to be traded away from this roster, and new guys. The ones that are playing scared a little bit. And new guys. Yeah. Who and Freddie the Goat. Who aren't yet... Yeah, but Freddie the Goat I would almost throw into the first two categories right. because he's worked really hard to be here and he doesn't want to fuck that up. Right. So I would kind of put him in those two first categories of don't want to be traded and and want to lock down a roster spot. So the guys that are going are the Kerfoots and the Kapanens and Janssens. Kapanen and Janssen, they fit into the second category. Guys right. that don't want to get traded because they have good value on their contracts. Right. And then the last one is new guys. And the new guys are giving it their all every night because they don't understand how fucking frustrating it is to be playing playing for this deadbeat coach who has no emotion, no motivation, and no adaptation. See, the main thing I think and where I agree with you, I'm not saying it should be done now. I think that might be a little fucking fine. I'm, a little I'm fine. jerk there, but I'm fine. Well, easy, man. We've been a 500 team since January. <laughs> yes. And that is the go-to stat for knee, this conversation. Knee, yeah. Right? Knee jerk is not fair. Yeah. I, I totally no, okay. I'll take, I'll take that. But, um, 
the part of it that I agree with is that Babcock was brought in to instill a different culture and accountability and blah, blah, blah with the team, right? Totally and all correct. the buzzwords, yeah. right? I agree with I that. I feel like he has done that to a certain degree. Oh, I think he did it perfectly. And if he can't... So now that he has the good team, if he can't take that team to the next level, take those players to the next level, there's definitely some good questions that they're asking. I'm sure they're asking all the time when you're if you're in management right now for the Maple Leafs. But... In, in in that same breath, I I I don't think I, I'm concerned about the, the accountability a little bit with those big guys. Like how 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 long does it take to teach something like that to to the big guns, right? Especially now that they're making big money. Because at the end of the day, you know, and I hate to say it, they are getting paid still, right? Oh, I know. I don't want to yeah. go there and I don't want to say they're that those kinds of guys, but you can't help but think it a little bit. Especially in these games where they don't show up, okay? Now, they could go play tomorrow night and fucking light somebody up and completely change my mind on that altogether. So that's why I don't want to get too hard on the big guns right now, right? Because they've done more good than bad for us since they got here, right? Yeah, but you see, I'm, I am fixated on, the, on, on what my eyes are showing me. And what my eyes are showing me is that our big guns don't care anymore. That's what I see. You think they lost? I that, think I think they've checked out. Right. You think they they've lost it? They go to practice every day, and they do the same bullshit every fucking game. Then they go and they have to translate what they're told to do in practice onto the ice, and it doesn't work there either. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to be creative at all. They have to have the exact same fucking breakouts. They are now having the exact same breakouts on the penalty kill. Did in, you notice they in, stopped using the stretch pass so much, though, that they've yes. they've adapted that out a little bit? They have taken that out, yes. And I wonder if that's having a bit of a difficult transition because they played that stretch pass game for, what, two straight years, basically. Yeah, and maybe. Then, and then made the switch on that. Well, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. uh, but uh, like at this point, any change, I think, is a good change. My, my problem is, again, what I told you, what my eyes are telling me. When I sit down and I watch this team play now, I feel that they are playing with this with with a similar emotion that I am watching with which as of today October 24th 2019 instead of sheer excitement and being right jacked up to watch the Leafs play and be devastated when we lose because we should have won we should win every game <laughs> I'm watching now thinking eh I don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck they don't give a fuck why should I right because the only, and I can't I can't stress enough how important it is for me personally to point out those players that I did because I think I mean I hate patting myself on the back but I think I'm fucking bang on with this dude. The only guys that are bringing it every night for us are guys that are new or don't want to leave. And the guys that are here to stay have are on another are on another fucking planet. That kind of bothered me as well at watching the game the other day is like a real lack of emotion. There wasn't a lot of pushback from from Marner Matthews or anything. Like they they didn't seem it, it's like they're like, "Yeah, this game sucks. Like fucking get me out of here." Get me out of here. They're what? already on the they're already on the bus. Warm the bus, right? Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, like, you got your Kerfoots of the world trying to stand up to bigger players and bouncing right off of them into the glass. Yeah, and, and I got to give, give positive guy spin here. Like Kapanen's been 
you know, now that they slot him back in his, his rightful place there on the third line, he's been outstanding. He's yep, got seven, seven yep. points in his last eight games, yep. and uh, I thought he was he was outstanding the other day. Um, playing with Mikheyev and playing with Freddie the Goat, their big promotion on the third line in the absence of JT. So nice to see him reap the rewards of that. Um, and then, of course, Kerfoot uh, has been outstanding, I think, so far, um, really showing that he's... he's uh, Maybe better than than what we gave him credit for him when they acquired him. He was almost a bit of an afterthought in the Barry trade, but um, if you know he's going to be here from beyond this season, oh. unlike probably Tyson Barry. So we might as well uh, might as well get used to it, and and uh, and it almost you know really bulks up the return. Oh man, I'm telling you right now, if like all things considered, with the way the season has started and. And how we are seeing a, a a bit of a dip here from from our expected high octane players, Barry and Kerfoot for Kadri. Forget the fact that Barry's fifty percent. That I know that only helps us this year, but it still helped us. Obviously, yeah. the Barry and Kerfoot are making me not even think twice about Naz. And I loved Naz. Loved Naz. Right. I loved him. Uh, as a Leaf, I, I, I was high on Naz. A lot of my buddies wanted to to jump ship early, just trade him, get him out of here, et cetera, et cetera. I, I felt he had a great role that he could fit into. And again, that was one of those validation moments for me as a fan. And my one buddy will probably chirp me about this after he listens to this episode because he was one of the ones that was really anti-Cadre. used to tell me all the time, they got to get rid of this guy. He's never going to do anything for the team. And I used to say, this is the guy that we actually need on the team because he's the kind of guy that wears his heart on his sleeve. And unfortunately, sometimes he wears it too too loudly yeah. and gets suspended. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I guess what I'm saying is as much as I loved Naz as a, as a player and as a, a team mate for the league, and a member of the organization, the return of Kerfoot and Barry, assuming that Barry will be re-signed, and I am confident that he will be uh, personally. It was uh, a great trade. Great trade. No doubt. And it, it seems it's going well for him over in Colorado there. Uh, him and uh, uh, Burakovsky, I believe, are putting up some points on that second line. The Colorado Avalanche are looking like they are taking another big step this year. They're on a tear to start the season. Um, I got one funny story, actually, about the Bruins game the other day. So my buddy Lee and I are watching the game. And at this point, I think it had just gone... It's just gone three two or something, and it was definitely like looking like it was going to be over. I think they had uh, uh, it was about three minutes left. I want to say okay, and, uh, and he's like, "Do we, are we still going to watch this?" And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much over, eh? Like, I don't think because they didn't score on the power play with five minutes left yeah. or something. Yeah. We're like, I say it's pretty much over, and he's like, "Well, we better stick around for the Parland home goal." And I said, you, you're fucking right, Par Lindholm's going to score. Three minutes left, and what happens? <laughs> the classic leafy fucking thing happens. The most leafiest thing the in the world. The fucking ex-leaf who hasn't scored in 70-plus games, who scored <laughs> one goal for the Leafs in, what, 60-some games last year, scores a fucking goal. For the Bruins. Right after. I think it was right after they killed the penalty. Eh? It was. That's why he was on the ice. It was, yeah. Yeah. Power Lindholm, too much to handle out there. It was devastating. Who won the Lindholm-Patan trade? Not looking good for Patan. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Uh, I can't remember exactly what game it was. Dude, you'll have to forgive me. Maybe you'll remember. Um, but he made the sickest dangle 
He made the sickest dangle at the just inside the blue line. He came just inside the blue line and went backhand between the defender's legs into cut cut into the fucking middle. And I stood up and was like, Nick Patan. Like it was crazy. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yeah. It was a that, crazy move. Yeah, I made and then a good really shot, nice but it was yeah. good glove save. Better. I, I remember that. Yeah. Better glove save by the tender. He's, um, he's really got to show something out there, but I bet you as a fourth liner, you pull moves like that. I know. Fucking come off. Babs is like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Oh, probably. Why'd you dump it in there? Gives him the old Pat Quinn treatment. Where was the pucks in deep yeah. on that play? You get the pucks in deep there. Uh, that's not a good pro. Not yeah. a good pro. Chip and chase. Fourth line, chip, chip and chase. chase. Fuck. Away, dump and change. change. Dump and change. Oh, I, wish, I wish they would change more often on those plays. When they're dumping in, they don't change, and you're like, they're coming off, right? Because you just want to see the big boys get on. But anyway, to wrap things up there, not going to be too hard on Matthews because he is scoring goals. It was just I was really disappointed in their effort in that game, which I saw as a big game. Um, it's one of those burn the fucking tapes and move on and fucking sure. forget about it. But you really want to see them rise to the occasion against their rivals and against you know key divisional opponents because – you're going in as a fan. Yeah, fuck, I'm watching this. This is a big game. And then when the players don't have that same, don't seem to carry over the same emotion that you're having, you're like, well, how the fuck are you not fired up? You're playing in it. I know. That's right? what I'm saying. So when I see the team with their lackluster efforts, and it's not like, okay, when was the last time? We haven't had a game this year where we were the undeniable undeniable better like team. Like 60 minutes of 60 of minutes dominance. dominated. You're right. You're right. There and hasn't may, been a Sure, maybe 60. we only won by two, but we won by two and it, it could have been six. You know, no, we haven't had that yet at all, dude. And it's concerning. And I think the yeah. biggest factor for this, and, and, and you can understand, dude, because you know you've been around, you know that I have been at least asking some questions about Mike Babcock at the helm. I, think I have been asking is. them. No, but I've been asking them for a while. And yeah. I, I wasn't oh, I, yeah. I wasn't saying fire him. I was never saying fire him. I am now. Right. But I was never saying that before. I was just saying things like, you know what? Things are great. We're a hundred point team. But and no one wanted to hear right. my butt. Yeah. But the butt was important. Can't we all just be happy? <laughs> but at that but at that, at that point in time, dude, I don't know if we could be happy because it was still rebuilding. It was still rebuilding. Right, we right, hadn't right. signed Matthews yet. We we hadn't signed Nylander yet. Yeah. We hadn't signed, you know, everyone was ELC. Now everything's like set in stone. Yeah, everything right? was ELC. Everything was, was fucking sunshine and rainbows. It was just let's try and do the best we can while we're paying these guys peanuts. But my thing back then was why don't we try and win? Why don't we try and win? And people used to tell me, these guys are new guys in the league. They need to learn the way. They need to, Babcock is a good guy to instill, you know, eat your veggies and be a good Values. pro. I know it's a joke yeah, and everything, but, pro, yeah. but it was important then. And you brought it up earlier. It was an extremely important point. Babcock was so important. He was integral to the culture. Rebuilding of the this culture. Team. Yeah. He was, but we have now passed that time. These players are done it's time learning. To win. <laughs> they're not done learning, but they're done learning about coming to the rink uh, with the right mindset and right. eating right and sleeping right and doing all these things. They're past that point. Now they need to be, if they motivated. don't have it now, I feel like when are you going to get it? Right. That's kind of what I was going to go, where I was going to go with this. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I was pulling up the leaf schedule and I was going to ask you at what point in, time do you start being as concerned as i am with our poor efforts 
we need an effort. We need we need a few efforts yeah. of 60 minutes here. And I don't know if we're going to get them, dude. We got San Jose and Montreal back to back. Are we prepared? And then after that, yeah, we get two days off. But then we play Washington. So are you telling right. me that, oh, are you going to die? Not you. I just mean the fans. Like, Do you think the media and the fans are going to are going to be able to just live with themselves and say, well, it was back-to-back against San Jose and Montreal, so we can't blame them. How about 60 minutes in one of those two games and then another one against Washington? And how the fuck do you get two back-to-backs in the span of a week? Like, what the fuck kind of scheduling is that? Well, three back-to-backs in the span of 14 days. Yeah, two weeks, basically. Like, it's fucked. But I think if the goaltending recovers, as we expected to, the defense shores up a little bit with Dermott back. But if they continue to play this just above 500 hockey. Say if they go through another 10 games and they post a f- another 5 and 4 after those aspects of the game recover, then I'll be more concerned because right now it seems that they're they're generating lots of offense still. There's no denying that. Um, and that's obviously the driver of the game, but it's the stuff at the back end in their own zone, their play without the puck that's costing them. And I mean, this is a recurring theme. I've been going on about the way they defend the zone for fucking, I feel like years now and over a year on this show, you know, the fucking, this being soft in their own end, right? But dude, if you take away the Montreal and the Detroit games, Montreal, we scored five and we lost in a shootout. Detroit, we scored five and we beat them five two. If you take those games away, just quickly, here's our goal totals. Five also against Ottawa on opening night. Okay, I'll give them that one. That was a fun game, but I still wouldn't call it a full (laughs) 60. But you've got four against Columbus, two against St. Louis, three against Tampa, uh, four against Minnesota, three against Washington, three against Boston, three against Columbus, two against Boston. Are you really okay with saying that we're putting up lots of offense? Well, you should be winning more games. That's pretty good offense, right? Are you, not, is it though? Not, but they're not three? shellacking guys, but I mean, they're giving, two and three. They're scoring enough goals to win the hockey games, but they're not keeping enough out of their net, right? I don't disagree with you, but, but, but scoring, like if you score, they say basically, if you score three goals, you should fucking win any hockey game, right? Sure. But we've only scored three goals, uh, well, one, two, three. Yeah. And three, I'm also, three times and I'm also talking about offense from like the underlying number standpoint because that's what's been putting me to sleep lately is actually looking at the, the fucking fancy stats. They're saying, okay. yes, the Leafs are generating a lot of shots and a lot of chances and blah, blah, blah. I know it's it's yeah it certainly appears to have dried up over the last few games and it has affected their numbers. But I I would like to see things settle in a little more before I get fucking more panicked or start calling for coaches' heads or anything. But I noticed that the coach stories you know where it might have first originated this last year among the you know the Twitter warriors and the bloggers and things like that. It's starting to bleed into the mainstream media. Is, and I think it's just because of, like you said, where they're at now. The training wheels are fucking off on this team. Yes. Okay? It's time to fucking win. go. It's go. time to win. It's time to prove you're one of those better teams and take that fucking next step. And if they don't, it's like you look at the level of talent and you say, well, there's no excuse not to, so something's got to change. Yes. And I mean, like realistically, dude, what's the biggest difference between, like, let's say the Leafs and the Colorado Avalanche? Like, I mean, do, tell you. like, but do the Avalanche really, Nate McKinnon? I don't know. No, no, no. I understand. But you know, they've got their, their big line. Okay. Nate, Miko, uh, Landis Gog. They got a great second line center in, in Nazem Kadri. But I mean, don't we have that and more as well? Yeah. Quick. And, and what do they, who do they have on the back end? They got Kilmacar. They got Sam Gerrard. Okay. 
let's say Kale McCarr is our Morgan Riley, and let's say Gerard is our Dermot, or whenever he comes back, or or, Mar- or Muzzin. Muzzin mm-hmm. would be a good example of that. Muzzin's a, a, a more stay-at-home D, lay-the-body kind of guy. Do we not have the same parts that the Colorado Avalanche have? Why, why am I seeing, whenever I flip onto the Colorado game, I guarantee you within a few shifts, I'm going to see some high-octane, fun, entertaining hockey. I flip back to the Leaf game, and I'm bored. Why am I bored watching this team play? Do you remember what it was like in the rookie season? How fucking exciting it was? Yeah, I do agree with the you. The reins on that. were loose, and they've and yeah. You know, now it's we gave we, like we gave up even the more. system, right? We gave up They're even bringing more. The, the, like the Leafs have started to adapt to this system. But one more quick question, I guess, before we wrap up here, though, um, do you think the lack of a guy like Naz hurts you on a night like the other day, where the motion and the drive doesn't seem to be there? Like, were we, were we missing that shift where somebody goes out and lights a fucking fire under everybody's ass? I think it it, it holds some stock, yeah. yeah. I do, I, yeah. I'm personally biased because I played the game like that, and that's how I, and I, I missed that aspect. I know it's down all over the NHL. There's not as much of that at all, or that t- those types of players. Right. But, you know, the guy who can, who can knock you on your ass and then score a goal, I, I hold in pretty high regard. So... Well, I talked about. I feel like that emotional injection is really important, and I know these guys feed off goals. But you're not. It's it's easier to fucking rile the boys up than it is to score a goal sometimes. Yeah, right? absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and I I talked about a guy like Brady Kachuk earlier this episode. I'll talk about talk about him again right now. Um, that that feud that he's got going on with Drew Doughty is just of epic nature. Matthew Kachuk, or sorry, Matthew Save Kachuk. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, you did. Uh, that Matthew Kachuk's um, that was must watch TV yeah, on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, to clarify, earlier I did mean Brady, and you the, did. Yes. One of the yeah. main reasons why I was talking about Brady is because John walked in. John is the uh, gentleman that's working on our uh, fourth floor. Attic. Yeah, we got distractions galore. Attic area. Yeah. So John's uh, he came in quietly and went upstairs. Big Sense fan, eh? So I figured I'd throw him a bone while we were recording the podcast and talk about Brady Kachuk while we were, <laughs> we were on there. But uh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk, the, the, uh, that one-on-one battle that he's got going with Doughty, even if Flames are getting blown out or they're having a bad game against LA, for example, and I know that it's specific to LA, but it's a good example. He can go out there and 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 take offsetting minors with Doughty and get get people riled. And he up. plays the same way no matter what the score is. Right? Get the hair on the arms. That's what going. I fucking love. Like I love those guys who it doesn't matter what the score is. They're still skating just as hard, right? They're still playing as hard. They're still they have that. They have one gear. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and guys like Ovi are like that. They got yep. one fucking gear, right? And it's on. It's fucking skate hard. It's fucking finish your checks. It's trying to score all the time and not mentally checking out. So, but anyway, uh, we got a big weekend ahead, another double header for the Leafs. And, uh, I guess we'll report back hopefully with, uh, maybe a little more positive talk on the Leafs next week. But, uh, boy, if they lose two in a row, Ooh, shit's going to get ugly on the pucks and deep podcast, boy. Well, geez. So they, well, they already have lost two in a row. You mean, I know. You mean three in a row. So, Chalk it up for four in a row. So if they lose four, oh, I see what you so mean. They if they lose two back more, to back, if they lose oh, back to back again. Well, that's. I'm yeah. glad you brought it up because before we went, uh, before we wrapped it up, I wanted to ask you your uh, confidence level one out of ten um, tomorrow night against tomorrow night? San Jose. Solid seven. What about the night after against Montreal? Ooh. That's see, that's a big night. So like, I feel like you got. They should be up for it Hutchinson. a little more. 
I'll go give. I'll keep mine a seven. I was so gonna say got, six. So I'm gonna like, say it's, my confidence level is a seven in both those. In games. both games, okay. Yeah. Okay, and then finally, Which isn't bad. and then finally to 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 round out the calendar, two days off, and then Washington, at home. They should be up for that one. You like a seven seven seven? You like a you like a? Yeah, it shows how like we, Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm like in the, <laughs> Yeah, I'm like in the so so wishy washy like in the middle on it right now because. They haven't really given me any reasons to go and like say like yeah they're gonna come out with two of those three games. So here I'll give you mine. Mine's an eight against San Jose because I believe given what has transpired over the last couple of days with no Leaf game and all kinds of time for people like us to talk about things on the Pucks in D podcast, it's burning a hole in their pocket. Like it's a hundred go. It's a hundred. They want to erase the. They want to erase game. It. You're right. Listen, you're right, so yeah. I'm gonna go with an eight at home against San Jose. And then I'm going with a fucking zero against Montreal at the Bell Center the next day. Zero. Ugh. We're not winning that game. That could be a bad one. Good thing gonna, I'm going to be at a Halloween party, so at least I'll have something to do. What are you going as? Dusted. So I'm going to be a fucking, I got a Tyvek suit, like one of those white painter suit. Okay. And I'm going to cut up felt and like glue it on. I'm going to be a Dalmatian because my wife's being Cruella de Vil. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's I, a good one. I saw that the costume was like 50 bucks on Amazon. I was like, fucking Tyvek suit for eight bucks and a pack of felt. It was like 10 bucks. There you go. Oh, I see what you mean. And yeah, that's crafty as fuck while I wear it. Yeah, you will. Good for you. And like, it's perfect because I'm not going to ruin any clothes. Because it's just a Tyvek suit. It's going to catch all the shrapnel coming my way throughout right. the party. <laughs> okay. We'll <laughs> leave that up to the imagination. Spilling drinks and whatnot. <laughs> we'll leave that one up to the imagination. Yeah, and then you peel that thing off and throw it in the trash. I like it. I like yeah, it. Okay. It's definitely not a... You were you were a, a caution to a Halloween party. I know a lot of people will have like they have multiple parties to go, or they dress up on Halloween itself. It's like they got more than one costume because you know the one you wear to the party's getting fucking trashed. Oh, yeah, true. Just like you. Yeah, yeah. A Halloween, a bit of a weird one this year um, on a Thursday, right? Nothing scary about a Thursday. Nothing scary about a Thursday unless the Leafs are playing. They, Tampa they or really kind of fucked up on the Halloween thing. I feel like they should have just said the Halloween is the last Saturday night. Yeah. Of October. Yeah, it should always be. It should be it should be moving. for the kids, right? That's what I'm saying. It should be it should be moving. Yeah, but not even for the kids. Some some people some adults love Halloween more than more than kids ever did. Yeah. Or yeah. ever or ever will. My mom's one of those people. Right? Yeah. So I fucking love it for, too. For, yeah, but for the adult for the adults out there that like to have their cocktail parties and Halloween dress up and everything. Like you can't even do it on Halloween. No, most years, and you're lucky. The one time it's on a Friday or Saturday night, you're all pumped up about it. You're like, man, Halloween is actually on Saturday. We can have a party and hand out candy and whatever. You know, yeah. it's a kind of exciting. But then it's a fucking Thursday. Are you dressing up. I got for leaf. Halloween? I got a leaf game going on. Thank God I live in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Yeah, I ain't got time for fucking kids coming. There'll be no kids here. There'll be no kids. Your house here. is too scary anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I should have a fucking haunted house here. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Are you dressing up? Um, if I go anywhere, I don't, so far, I don't believe I have any plans to do anything, but if I go anywhere, um, I'm going to do a Matthews, uh, costume growing out the mustache. No, I'll get a fake mustache. Oh yeah. And, uh, I'm just going to wear my Jersey and a pair of boxers. Pull your fucking pants down. I'm just going to wear boxers. I'll just wear boxers. Yeah. I, hopefully your Jersey's not super long or it's going to look like you're wearing fucking nothing. Nothing. No, my, my thought, my thought was, was that I was going to tuck it in at the back kind of so that, <laughs> so you know, cause Matthews actually kind of does tuck his, you know, you're not allowed to anymore, yeah, right? Yeah. But he kind of does tuck his Jersey in a little, a little bit. 
Uh, so I'm figured I'm just gonna. <laughs> and by the way, let me let me go ahead. You're and gonna have to a, post pictures of that if you do that. Give me a disclaimer. Uh, I'm I'm gonna be wearing a like you know Under Armour or whatever, like a tighter pair right. underneath. Right. Insurance. Yeah. Yeah. That's a must have. That's a must have. <laughs> just fucking getting pants that my dong is out at the All fucking right. Halloween party. Oh, we're talking about our dicks. So it's time to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime the fucking dick talk starts, it's the end yeah. of the Pucks and Deep Podcast. Listen, uh, lastly, before we actually do wrap it up, even though the closing tune has started, are you getting caught or not? No, man. I, Come on. I, I buy like one video game a winner, and I already decided Civilization's coming out for Xbox, and that that's my jam. Right Is that there. your jam? What is that? More of an RPG style? It's like turn-based strategy. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Like you build your fucking empire. Oh, the I war see. And all that kind okay. of stuff. And then... The thing about that game is it's a fucking time commitment. Oh, it is. It's eh? like six hours, fucking. You know, yeah. See, like, that's too much to me. I'm fast. It's paced. hard. It's I'm like the one paced. where you like fucking you you turn it off and then you wake up the next day and come home from work and play it again. You're thinking about it all. When day. the last one came out for Xbox, I was in fucking school, so I had time to play fucking six hours of video I games see. straight. Right. I see. But I I'm probably gonna pick up Battlefield again, so we'll, I'll see you out there. Because there's no there's new fucking DLCs for that and all that shit, but... I'll be on Call of Duty uh, starting tonight. Probably in a few hours, I'm going to watch Tiger Woods. Uh, hopefully continue his lead at the Zozo Championship in Japan. And then I'm going to game probably till like 2 in the morning. So if anyone out there is listening and wants to uh, game with me, it is cross-platform, which is very cool. Really? PC and PlayStation. Oh, shit. That is pretty cool. It's cross-platform, and they are coming out with a 100-player multiplayer. It's called Ground War, one of the bigger modes. They've never had a big, big mode like that. Um, Kind of stealing from Battlefield a little bit there. But anyway, yeah. Shoot me a message on Twitter if anyone's out there uh, wants to shoot some bad guys uh, with me on Call of Duty. But if not, go play Battlefield. Go fuck yourself. We'll see you next week. That's it for the Puck and Deep Podcast. Adam and Josh, see you next week. Take care. Call me here. Go Leafs go. <laughs>